I am. Okay. Let's go to John chapter 21. Good to be here tonight. Marvel again at how nicely the auditorium looks. Beautiful. John 21 and verse 1. It says, After these things Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. Okay, where's Tiberias? What is Tiberias? Sea of Tiberias. Sea of Galilee? What's the other name for it? Oh, I stumped you, huh? Chinnereth, C-H-I-N-N-E-R-A-T-H, I think, E-T-H. Anyway, three names for that, that lake. We call it a lake in the northern part of uh, Israel. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. Of course, we know that uh, James and John were fishermen before the Lord called them, so maybe Andrew is one of the two that wasn't named, so that would have been at least four that were professional fishermen at one time. Um, they went forth, this is the middle of verse 3, they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. All right. How many of you have uh, ever been fishing at night? Okay, on a boat? Okay. Now, if it's real calm it's, and it's warm, it's, it's, it's really nice. Nothing like the water, just quiet. And uh, maybe fishing by the moon or the stars or whatever. Anyway, they, they fished at night, so there they were. Um. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat, you know, any food? They answered unto him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore... And now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked. Uh, he has clothes on. He's taken off his outer garment. It's like... Uh, these guys might be working or something, springtime or summer, and they take their shirt. They got their T-shirt on. Okay, so he's he is clothed, but he's not uh, properly clothed for company. Okay, so so it says he's naked. James talks about that. He says if somebody comes to your door and they're naked, doesn't mean they're stark naked. It means they're maybe it's cold and they don't have enough clothes on. Okay, so. Just in case you had any clear questions about that. 
He girded his fisher's coat on to him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship. That's a boat. We think of a ship as a big vessel, but it's not here. For they were not far from land, but as it were, about 200 cubits. All right, this is a cubit, elbow to fingertips, about a foot and a half, so 300 feet or a length of a football field. About 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, and hundred and fifty-three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? And Jesus cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So I'm thinking that's reference to uh, showed himself to them in a group, okay? But there are other individual times that he, uh, times he appeared to individuals. So when they had dined, Jesus sat to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, probably some few minutes in between there, in that, I don't know, but I think he probably paused for a while. Second time, he said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. So our message tonight, if you want a title, is Jesus Stood on the Shore. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the record of this um, time when the Lord met his disciples there on the lake. And I pray as we look at tonight, we, we'd understand some things about you and about ourselves, and Lord, that um, we'd realize that we shouldn't allow anything to uh, come between us, and uh, Lord, that we would follow the call that you've given to us. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay.
let's think about the situation that we have here. This is the third time. Uh, we know that uh, Jesus met with the disciples as a group the Sunday evening of the day that he rose from the dead. We know that he met with them again the next Sunday. Uh, exactly where in that those time, times, I'm not sure exactly. Could be after the second one. It could it's just the third time, I, you know, probably after the second meeting on Sunday. And there's a lot that's going on in their lives, particularly in Peter's life. Now, I know I look like I'm 39, but I'm 61 now. And if you are 50 or 60 um, or even probably 40, you've seen enough of life that uh, you probably had some pretty difficult times that have have come about in your, in your life. You know, that's one good thing, but... Um, you grew up in a good Christian home and your parents lived for the Lord and things like that. There's a lot of hardships and hard situations that you miss, but it's inevitable in life that you'll you'll go through something that's pretty difficult. And Peter has done that. He is um he had been identified by the Lord as the next pastor. Uh he told Peter that he would uh, in Matthew sixteen um, he would open and shut the kingdom of heaven as the pastor. Uh, he gave that whole uh, authority to the church there in Matthew 18 as well. When he's talking about church discipline and so forth. And Peter had been a leader, uh, but as they went to Jerusalem and had a real intense week there with Jesus going into the temple every day, and being challenged and uh, hostility growing toward him, Jesus telling them on the way there and some s- several days before they got there that he was going to be betrayed and crucified and the third day he'd rise from the dead. And then that, that last evening when they had the Passover meal and then the Lord's Supper and you know, something was going on with Judas, they didn't really understand that. But uh, Jesus said to Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, no, I'm not going to do that. And uh, he said, yes, you are. And he said, look, if everybody else in this room denies you, I won't. He said, well, before the cock crows, three times you'll deny me. And, of course, they went out and to the, the um, we call the garden of Gethsemane, but an orchard tree, an orchard area, uh, olives and so forth, olive trees. And that intense time where they were supposed to be praying and Peter and James and John couldn't stay awake. And then Judas comes with this crowd of hostile people with swords and staves and they arrest the Lord Jesus. Peter, he, the guy had a lot of courage. He pulls out his sword and cuts off a man's ear, just about jeopardizing everything the Lord had done. You know, if it hadn't been the Lord, they'd probably all died right there. And uh, Jesus rebukes him for that. And then eventually he runs with the rest of the, 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 the apostles, the disciples. They carry Jesus to uh, the high priest mansion, the enclosure there with several buildings in it. John knows the um, 
high priest families. Apparently, John's family is pretty well to do. They had uh, servants in their fishing business. So he lets Peter in. Though Peter comes back, he's he's still um, trying to be loyal and faithful to the Lord. And while he's there, standing at, around a fire at night, uh, three times he's asked, a couple of times at least, by young women, servant girls, weren't you? You're one of the disciples, weren't you? One of his? And he says, "No." And in fact, he curses at one time and swears and says, "I was. I don't know the man." And Luke tells us that at the time he did that, he looked up at the door where Jesus had been being tried inside that building. And their eyes met. And it says that he went out. I guess that means he went outside the compound. And he wept bitterly. Now, I can't imagine what Peter went through. That was on fr- that was Thursday night. The next day when he uh, saw Jesus crucified, perhaps saw uh, uh, Nicodemus and... Uh, Joseph, uh, take his body down. Uh, he didn't help in the preparation of the body, but um, I can't imagine Friday evening, Saturday, what must have been going through his heart and mind. He believed on the Messiah. Believed he was the savior of the world. And then not only this terrible, terrible thing of crucifixion, but Peter had denied him. And uh, just can't imagine what he suffered on that Saturday. Of course, that early Sunday, what a dramatic turnaround. In fact, I don't know how he even dealt with that emotionally. Runs to the grave. He and John together early in the morning. John stands there, wait. Peter runs right into the the, uh, tomb and sees, from the best I can tell what it's saying is he saw grave clothes laying there just like there was a body, a mommy, but there's no body in it. About 75 pounds of spices, so it still had some shape to it. Napkins taken off, laid to the side. It says they saw and believed, but at that point, I'm not sure what they believed. And then that evening, Sunday evening, when they're gathered there together and they're hearing these different reports from different people who uh, that Jesus had risen from the dead, and then Jesus appears. We read about you know um, the Lord dealing with the Thomas. That night he wasn't there the first night, but you know, think of the emotions that Peter was going through. Uh, he was supposed to be the leader, and he had really let the Lord down. And then, you know, the death, all that terrible, horrible death, and now he's alive, and he's given these commissions. He's telling them things, you know, from the Old Testament and so forth. I'm just, I'm thinking Peter had a hard time listening because his mind would have been reeling. Is he 
capable of doing the things the Lord has called him to do? Is he fit? And so he does what he's known to do all of his life. He goes fishing. Some of the other guys go with him. They may have watched Peter. Watched how he was struggling. So they go with him. They fish at night. Casting nets, you know, not casting a line and a hook, but uh, nets. And I'm sure that that is extremely hard work. You're taking this, you know, big net and you're throwing it over. Of course, they weren't dragging anything back in except for maybe trash, they limbs or something like that. They got off the bottom. They weren't. They didn't get any fish. But if you do that enough times in a night, a length of a night, you're you're pretty tired. And yet, I'm assuming it's pretty calm, peaceful. That's one of the good things about fishing. Of course, mine are always calm and peaceful because I never catch anything. But you know, he's out there with men that he knows and loves. He's probably thinking all this all during that time. He's probably getting more and more frustrated every time he pulls that net in. Already extremely frustrated. And then there's somebody on the shore that yells out to him. Now, I don't understand why when the guys, when Jesus said, and they didn't know who he was, cast the net on the other side and you'll find. I don't know why they did that. You remember the first time when uh, Jesus told Peter to do that? He said, can't, you know, let your nets out on, on the other side. And he said, well, we'll let one out. We'll throw one net out. And uh, that time they got so many fish, that net broke. And perhaps he remembers something like that. Maybe he was, maybe it's already in Peter's mind. I wonder if that's the Lord. But John tells him it's the Lord. Now, Jesus knew these men were there. He knew what was going on in their minds, their emotions. He knew what every single one of them, you know, they're, uh, Brother Chapman mentioned this last night. There are some of the, the the apostles we really don't know anything about, and even in this story, there are two that are we don't even know who it was. Uh, so we don't know really what the other men did while Jesus being crucified, what what they were thinking. But we, uh, we got a pretty good idea, I think, about what was going through Peter's mind. There they are. Peter is, no doubt, even though Jesus risen from the dead, is in the depths of depression um, and wonders, you know, what, what's he going to do? I guess maybe I'll go back to fishing. And Jesus shows up. He says that he was standing on the shore early in the morning, probably before the sun's come up. Maybe it's just starting to break a little bit and gives them this command to cast on the other side. Um, he knew what was going through their minds and their hearts. And uh, I'll just say this to your young people, you young people, when you go through some difficult times, probably most of the time your parents know they've been through something like what you're going through. When you're confused, you don't know what the Lord's will is, 
There's a good possibility your parents have been through whatever you're going through and or maybe even something a lot worse. And they'd love to talk with you. And they may even stop by sometime and ask you a question. That's what Jesus did. He came to where they were. He knew where they were out there fishing. And when Peter hears that's the Lord, and this is really the key thing on Peter's side, he put his outer garment back on and dove in and swam a hundred yards. How many of you swam a hundred swam a hundred yards recently? How many of you ever tried to swim a hundred yards? Was it easy? <laughs> Swimming will wear you out. Swimming, there's there's a couple of I'm sure there are more, but wrestling and swimming is are two uh exercise or sports things that you can do that take every muscle in your body. So Peter puts his this probably heavy coat on, dives in, swims a hundred yards because he can't get there fast enough. Now, typically, usually what we do is we avoid somebody that that we're not getting along with or we've failed or something like that, but not not Peter. He wanted things to be right with the Lord. But to this point, nothing's been said. He's been given the Great Commission. He's been talk to him about the Holy Spirit. He has been explaining some of the Old Testament prophecies. But now, early on this morning, he's there where they're they're working. And when Peter gets there, he's already got fish on the cooking. And uh, eventually the other guys get there. Then tell us about what Jesus and Peter said before they got there, but he pulls in the fish, and they clean those and get them cooking as well. And um, I don't know what they did. Maybe they shared some things. Maybe they sang some. Maybe they just sat there, had some small conversation. And when they'd finished eating, eating, Jesus came. He did what he came to do. He didn't come to just encourage them about their fishing. He came there for basically one reason. And that's to restore Peter. And so he asked him this question in front of everybody else. Assuming a calm, quiet, maybe the sun coming up, maybe not yet. They've had a meal together. They're tired, and he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? He says, Lord, you know that I do. And then he says this, feed my sheep. Now this is, um, there's no doubt in my mind, this is, if not the biggest issue, it, it certainly was tied with the biggest issue, Peter's wondering what he what what role could he possibly play now? And he tells him, feed my sheep. That's the Greek word feed is bosco. It just actually every time most of the times it's used in the New Testament, it's used in feeding pigs. But here it says, feed my sheep. Of course, that's sheep are a picture of the Lord's people. So 
you've got to think that's a dagger stuck into Peter there. You know, they get back to eat, and maybe he's just calming down a little bit. I doubt he's probably still thinking about it. And then Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? He didn't say, do you love me more than these now? But I'm sure the others, when he said more than these, they were going... Let me go over and fix some coffee. <laughs> yeah. He says, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. You know everything. He says, feed my lambs. I, I forget what exactly it was, but that one's different. It's word that it's like pastoring. Sometimes it's used as rule. For example, in Revelation it says when he, Jesus will rule with a rod of iron. That's the, it's, it's translated rule there. Acts 20, verse 28, uh, it says, Feed the flock of God over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. So it's really leading, ruling, and feeding. It's, ta- it's basically taking care of sheep, being a pastor, a shepherd. So he says, took this reproof. He told him, you're still fit and you're still the one that I'm going to have use uh, right there in front of everybody. But you know, when you get a weapon and everything gets cleared up, all the real bad pain is gone. And you can have fellowship again. And the Bible says that people that love you will do that to you. Pastor Byler will do that. Sometimes when you need it. Your parents will do that. They may have done it a lot in the course of your life. But the thing it is, the thing that really strikes me, the things I I really want to impress upon you most of all is that Jesus was standing on the shore. He wanted things to be restored to Peter. Even though Peter probably thought, I'm, I'm useless. And he responded the right way. And as a result of that, the first part of the book of Acts, I guess about the first ten chapters are, are primarily about Peter. And the focus shifts to Paul or whatever. But if Jesus hadn't done that to him, and if he had not responded that way, it would have been, you know, a, a man's life wasted, probably. But the Lord doesn't want us to be that way. He wants to restore us. And again, it's, you know, uh, Hebrews 12, what does it say about chastisement there? It says it's, I think it's the word grievous in there. <laughs> It's difficult. It's painful. But um, we ought to do like Peter. Hebrews says, lift up the feeble hands. Feeble knees. I forget how it is. Anyway, uh, you know, we've been in our own strength and maybe messed up things, but the Lord does want to restore us. And... uh, Usually the main thing, he wants to have fellowship with him. You think about him preparing the meal here, then taking something of what they have caught. 
And um, but the Lord will seek us out, His people. So I would just encourage you to remember this story. Maybe there's some of us now that uh, need some things that need to get back right, need to get back serving the Lord. Uh, Maybe you've allowed something to hinder you from doing that. Uh, Maybe some of the young people are thinking, you you know, what's going on in my life? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm not really happy in my job or this or that's not going on right or whatever, but the Lord knows exactly where we are, and He wants to show us the right way. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to that understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Thank the Lord for His mercy and His love. and Be thankful for people that love you enough to do the painful things and correct you because they want to help you. And as a church, you need to be that way. Galatians 6.1 says, Rather than if a, a man, I think it was, I forget it, be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, lest thou also be tempted. So let's do that. Let's encourage and help each other, pray for each other, and remember that uh, the Lord wants more than we do for us to be restored and be in fellowship with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for this passage. If we look at the gospel, it just seems to be kind of stuck on the end. But how important it is and how we thank you for it. Thank you for the love that Peter, uh, that Jesus demonstrated for Peter and we thank for Peter's response. And Lord, I pray that we would uh, be careful to respond to your corrections and that we would do all that we can to maintain a good relationship with you so that you can use us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.